0: is the author of Beyond the Explosion, Stories of Light, a compilation of combat near-death experience stories. Jenny is a life resident of San Antonio, Texas, and has spent the majority of her civil service career working in the U.S. Army Medical Department. Following her retirement from the U.S. Army Medical Command at uh, Fort Sam Houston, she worked several government contract jobs in clinical research. And recently she has worked uh, a research study in the emergency rooms at the university hospital and Brooke army medical center and worked on a research study with wounded warriors with combat related injuries. Additional research included military and civilian burn injuries, supporting a clinical trial for patients with head injuries, as well as hearing conservation research. Jenny personally relates to near death experiences because she herself has had spiritual experiences beginning in childhood. She continues to volunteer her services to veterans by participating in veterans' NDE panel discussions and as a military vet NDE workshop presenter at IONS conferences, and we'll tell you about one coming up shortly. Jenny, welcome to NDE Radio.
1: Oh, thank you, Lee. I, it's a privilege to be a part of this program.
0: Well, it's a privilege for us to have you here, and uh, especially with your work with the with the vets, uh, I, Jenny. I wanted to start um, uh, with you. At an early age, you said you experienced a vision uh, at age nine, I believe, in which you thought you were visited by Jesus. And I thought that would be interesting to hear about.
1: Well, yes. Uh, when I was nine years old, um, I actually had my first spiritually transformative experience as well as an out-of-body experience, Um, I was awakened at night. And as I laid in bed looking up at the ceiling, or what was the ceiling or roof, it was a clear view of many stars, planets, and galaxies. And even though I was looking up and seeing all this beauty, um, and I could clearly see everything, it was as if I was, I could see everything all around me, not just straight up. So um, you know, I've learned that this is called an expanded vision, uh, you know, the clear uh, seeing eye of God. But anyway, I could see my sister sleeping next to me, and I was wondering, well, why isn't she awake and experiencing this beauty, this amazing sight? And um, and about that time, um, I saw a figure to the right, which um, I took. To be Jesus, being Catholic, seeing pictures. It looked like a picture of Jesus, but it was a a real form, Mm -hmm. a real spirit. And he spoke to me and he told me that I had been given many gifts, many powers, and many abilities, and that I would be using these uh, my entire life. Um, And they also told me I was a special child of God. Mm. And it was a very warm, it was as if he was right there. I mean, it was so real. And then I was back to sleep. Um, so the next day, you know, this is all in my little head. I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, what's happened? Did I have a vision? Was this really real? And so um, going to a Catholic school uh, during recess uh, in grade school, I went to the rectory to talk to a priest. And um, so the uh, a pa- the pastor came out, and I explained to him. What I saw, what had happened to me, and that Jesus had spoke to me, and um, he immediately dismissed me, told me I was making up stories, and um, just go back to class, go back to your recess, and uh, quit making up these stories. Wow. So I I felt so humiliated, and um, therefore never discussed this with anyone, really, until after my book was published.
0: What a crushing experience for a child to have to go through.
1: Yeah, so I can relate, you know, in getting the stories and hearing so many uh, ears telling me, you know, I, I, I couldn't discuss this with anyone. I didn't know how, or if they were, they weren't believed. It took me back to nine years old when that actually happened to me. Mm. So I, yes, I could relate to what they were telling me, so... Uh, you know, being put in this position to create this book yes. was part of that vision at nine years old.
0: You said you also have had the ability, I guess, even back then to see auras. Were there any <laughs> any other things?
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could always see auras. Uh, I always seem to have had uh, out-of-body experiences where um, I could be resting and I'm looking over my body, or I could be uh, driving, going somewhere, and I could see I'm behind myself in the car, wow. or I'm ahead of myself. I've had various out-of-body experiences, and um, and and the auras. Uh, yes, I can actually see people's auras. However, I, you know, I didn't look at this as anything special because. I had them all my life, and so I never discussed those either because I thought everybody could see people's words, <laughs> And um, of course, later learned that wasn't so true.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then was it seven years ago? You said that you got a message from God that you should write the book.
1: Yes, actually, it was in I don't remember January, I believe, of 2013. And um, I always tell people, I listen to the voices in my head because normally they're spirit-driven. And so I was awakened at night around 3.30, well, 3.30 in the morning. And it seems to be angel time, seems to be the times that I'm awakened and, uh, you know, given some messages. And so I'm awakened, and and the Spirit tells me that... um, That I was to write a book, and it was about combat near-death experiences, and I said, "Uh, okay, (laughs) and so as I attempted to go back to sleep, uh, the the spirit was still talking to me, and he said, and the name of your book will be called Beyond the Explosion. Now, I didn't know anything. I I knew very little about near-death experiences. My dad had one about three months before he passed uh, during uh, a medical procedure and, and he told me about it. And he said, I, I don't want you to tell your mother about this. I don't want you to tell anybody about this. And again, he was, he had the feeling that no one would believe his story. So just, you know, for those couple of things, I, I really had no experience with NDE and, um, so, this was definitely um, a challenge, and I really didn't know how or where to begin, um, but I honored I honored the spirit by moving on and researching, talking to people. Actually, someone had told me about Diane Corcoran and her work with Ions, and I contacted her, and she was uh, very supportive. In you know, me writing the book, putting the stories together. But uh, she did indicate that it was not going to be an easy task. Right. Because the experiencers want to um, tell you or talk to you about their story, but that's as far as they want to go. They don't want to see it in writing. They just want to talk to somebody who will believe them. Mm. And so anyway, I spent uh, many years of research, before I was able to get uh, stories, and these are true stories written by the veterans. These are their words, not my words, and um, so with their stories, I was able to compile my book.
0: As I recall, I think you said you were really brushed off by the military doctors that you approached to see if you could make some contact with NDEers.
1: Oh, yes, I can. Yes. I, at that time, I was working in the uh, Brook Army Medical Center emergency room and uh, as a researcher, and most of the staff knew who I was. And I had learned that uh, a physician had just, an Army physician had just returned from, I believe, Iraq. And so one day, I approached him, um, told him who I was and what I was doing on the side of trying to get these stories. And I wanted to know if he had that experience, if any of his patients uh, in the combat zone had told him about near-death experiences. And he, I mean, his presence immediately changed. And he said, look, I'm busy. I can't talk now. And he, he <laughs> left. He walked away from me. So my feeling was that, yes, he probably heard these stories, but he didn't really know how to handle them? Yes. And then I also uh, approached the uh, chaplain's office at the military hospital to try to talk to a chaplain to see what stories they have received or how they have been involved with it. And I was never the uh, the administrative person at the desk would not allow me to talk to a chaplain about this.
0: That's so crazy.
1: Yeah, and I think it kind of brings us around to, you know, what uh, Lilia has been talking to, and 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 the um, her coining the um, gap of care, mm. and that is because they fear they will not be believed, or even worse, they're going to be rejected. They'll be ridiculed. They'll be mocked. They'll be misdiagnosed, and um, so. You know, we're trying to open the door for our experiencers to be able to talk about their experiences and having a good source to go to.
0: Well, military uh, especially are wary of telling stories like this because they can be considered crazy or, or you know, just sidelined. that They'll never get promotions again because, you know, they're, they're talking about their near-death experience.
1: I know. I know that is so unfortunate, and i I think is I think this is we're in the right time right now, with um, you know, with my book, you know, it it is a one of a kind. It's all true stories written by the experiencers, and um, and also with what you know, uh, the gap of care, uh, Lilia's gap of care, and trying to educate the clinicians.
0: Right. Now I understand your big breakthrough came in getting stories when uh, the Military Times wrote a ar- big article about about you what, what about near death experience basically.
1: Yes, that's true. I I was approached. Oh my, I think it was uh, a year or so after I was trying to uh, get the stories, doing my research, uh, by an editor at the Military Times, and the Military Times it also branches out. The stories in their uh, newspaper uh, is also picked up by Army, Navy, Marines, and Air Force Times. Um, So it's it's printed in all these newspapers. So they uh, contacted me, and we did an interview. Um, I told them about Diane, and they contacted her as well. And so we had uh, maybe like two-thirds of a page on NDE's and uh and from that news uh article uh, i was able to get uh, i had many contacts mm. from uh military who have had near death experiences so that definitely helped me I, w- I was extremely grateful for that
0: how many responses did you get from that do you recall
1: oh no i i was getting i, uh, I was getting a lot of responses <coughs> excuse me um, however, um, you know, I was talking to everybody, every email I received, I responded, I said, send me your phone number. I want to talk to you. Um, I would talk to them and some of their stories were not, uh, NDEs, OBEs or STEs. Some of them were just stories, mm-hmm. you know, they just want to talk about some things that happened while they were in combat. Or some things that happened while they were seen in a veterans hospital, things like medical care. Uh, so I had a lot of calls that were not even related. Mm. So I spent time with these um, callers and, and, you know, I had to weed through what was true and what wasn't true. And um, and then from all of those, um, I probably got maybe ten or fifteen good stories. And I wanted them in writing, uh, either they could dictate to me or they could write me their story because I wanted to know what led up to their NDE or other experiences and how that affected them afterwards and in their life now. So uh, that proved to be a challenge. Uh, some of them didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And I can't just, from a conversation, create a story. uh because I wanted it to all be true facts and I wanted it written from them. So anyway, I, it it was a challenge. Yes, it was definitely a challenge.
0: In your book, they're all predominantly positive stories, even though they came out of tragic circumstances. I mean, all kinds of wounds and explosions and so forth. But uh, when you were on midnight in the desert, which I, which I listened to, you mentioned uh, one person who had had uh, a vision of hell, and I was hoping you would tell us that story because um, we we don't hear those very often. The the dark right. or distressing NDEs right. are rare. Yes, but they do exist, and and if you could tell that story, it'd be very interesting.
1: I was volunteering because I have volunteered at four or five of the IONS conferences, and it was the one here in San Antonio, and. Um, one of the uh, volunteers, actually, was a, a veteran and who had had an NDE, and while we were in the break room one day, he, he told me, he said, I, I want to tell you about something that happened to me while I was in Vietnam, <laughs> and <clears throat> and he said that um, he was in uh, like a little bunker tent kind of thing while, the, while there was some bombing going on, and he was. His uh, shelter was hit, and he was injured, but he said, I did not go to the beautiful place that everybody talks about. I didn't. I wasn't um, having out-of-body, experiencing everything. I didn't go through the light, through the tunnel. I didn't see any of that. Instead, I went to a very, very dark place. Now, he did not describe the dark place, but he felt he had gone to hell. And he said it was so awful and so horrible. And this man was visual, uh, visually shaken in, in my presence. He, he could hardly talk about it. He was there. He was in, at that experience while he was talking to me. And he said, I I was in a very dark place and I had to get out. I knew I had to get out. I did not want to stay. I begged. I begged God to get me out, to get me out. And he said he had to scratch and crawl through this dark place, this dark tunnel, like to get out and to get out. And finally, he was able to get out and he returned to his body. And I I really wanted his story because it's a contrast to other, like you said, to other stories that we hear when people have NDE's. And he said he would think about it. And um, I encouraged him to see some of the healers at the conference. And he did. And he said it helped, but he just It was very difficult for him to let go of what happened to him, what, 40, 50 years ago. So he, um, he, and I called him, I emailed him afterwards, and he just said he could not do it. He could not give me a story. He did not want to. And I said, look, you can remain anonymous. I, I, I don't have to print your name. And he said, no, I can't do it. But he did talk to me about it, so and he talked to some of the healers. Um, I hope that helped him somewhat. I wish I could have done more.
0: It can be terribly traumatic. It was. To have a D and D E like that. Anyway, well, thank you. Thank you for telling that story. Let's talk about some of the stories in, uh, in your book. For instance, the fellow who um, rose out of his body up above the airplanes that were bombing and strafing above the helicopters, uh, and had this incredible feeling of peace, and then woke up in a body bag.
1: Okay. Um, yes, he was um, he was fighting in in a in a battle in uh, in Vietnam, and he was injured very severely. And during that injury, he left he left his body, and he felt the spirit about him, a hand on his shoulder, who led him. He was now above overseeing the entire battle he was seeing his his unit being attacked he saw the helicopters he saw everything and um then when uh, he can when it, that was over he was in a body bag mm. and he said everything was black so he felt no pain he just said everything was black and then he uh when they were loading all the the body bag into the helicopter there was a uh they dropped they were just dropping the bodies because there were so many and he made a "Mm," sound and somebody said oh my god he's alive Mm. so that's what happened with him so he had his nde and he was dead they declared him dead they had a toe tag on him and he was in the body bag Uh, i had uh, many, many months of recovery because he had some massive injuries. And he kept asking himself during all of this, why me, God? Why did I have this um, NDE? Why am I going through all of this? But as, as he recovered um, and then he went on to um, get uh, a BSN education and he felt like he, his goal was to teach pe- uh, children, to teach people you know, really what life is all about mm. and how important. He went to show everybody uh, what was important in life, that we should have faith in God, we should love our family, we should love one another, and we should encourage them to do their best. And, and once he realized this and he was actually out there doing the teaching and doing God's work, then he realized, now I know why I meet God. Now I know why you put me through this because this is my purpose.
0: Yes, there's a uh, a wonderful story. Um, I think it's the third one in, in the book from uh, a man named Michael who later became a a pastor. Um, and um, I guess I think you said he was a Navy pilot.
1: Yeah,
0: crashed in a water channel or a rice paddy and was drowning, or did drown, and perhaps. And uh, the description of the experience that he had uh, was very detailed and very amazing, I thought, reading, reading the book. Um, tell us a little bit about Michael.
1: Well, at the time he was not uh, a minister. Um, after his—at uh, uh, some point he became a reverend. And, um, and it, it, it kind of get, let me get off subject a little bit here. You know, just going through all these conferences, listening and reading in these stories, you know, I'm finding that a lot of the experiencers who may be clinicians or maybe regular people, they have been changed their course of life. They have a different purpose now, um, and it's it's like with this reverend. You know, at the time he was a, a navy pilot, and then since then his life changed and he's become a, a minister. So, you know, we don't always know uh, what—sometimes we don't know what our purpose in life is, (laughs) and it takes big incidents like this to do this. But when he was having—when they were shot down, he was in a rice paddy, and he would be coming in and out of it. There were times when he was having the NDE, and he was experiencing um, other feelings, thoughts, uh, images, Then he would go back to his body again, and he was having a difficult time breathing, and he had to keep telling himself, you know, you got to breathe, you got to keep breathing, you got to keep doing whatever he was doing to stay alive. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily breathing underwater, but he had to do what he had to do to stay alive. And um, uh, so I'm kind of looking at the book. He said he could he could hear uh, machine gun fire all around him. He heard her stranger's voice yelling, you got to breathe, sir, you got to breathe. And as he took his uh, first uh, breath of precious air, a powerful thought penetrated through his uh, being, and he shouted to himself, oh, my God, am I going to have to go through this dying process again? <laughs> so there's <laughs> so a little humor there. Yes. And then in his recovery in the military hospital. There was someone in the ICU who was telling him, um, was talking to him, and, um, and he said, you're not dead. He said, um, and, and he replied, no, I'm not dead. And, he, and then later, he described this person, um, and this later when he was, um, after he had gotten out of the military, and he was describing this person as someone who was taking care of him. And, um, and then at the reunion, and he was wearing white scrubs. Well, we know they don't wear white, white scrubs. And he was informed. He says, no one wore white scrubs in Vietnam. Mm. So there he had his spirit guide, his angel, guardian angel, somebody helping him through his healing process.
0: Yes. And the description of his NDE, too, with us, um, going um, toward infinity, into the brightness. He, he said there was a pure one-note sound. And he was also given a choice whether he could turn to the next dimension if he stepped over a bar to the right, or if he went to the left, then he'd be back in his body.
1: Right. And he was told you cannot take your knowledge with you Yes. if you choose to go to the left. You will return to the world that you know, and so he chose to return.
0: One of the neat things about uh, your book and the fact that these uh, experiencers have done all the writing themselves is that there are some vivid descriptions of war in um, in uh, Vietnam and Baghdad, and so forth. That that uh, I think would really be interesting to vets. Uh, especially if they're interested in NDEs, but just reading the stories of the experience that led up to the, the near death uh, is fascinating as well. We Before we run out of time, uh, Jenny, um, I want you to tell folks how um, uh, they can get a copy of your book, number one, and number two, about this upcoming virtual conference that uh, you're going to be a part of at IONS. Okay,
1: sure. The book is called Beyond the Explosion. Stories of the Light, um, and you can order from Amazon or through your local bookstores. Also, I encourage people to go to my website, which is Light Stories, one word, LightStories.org, and that there's some um, great information there on NDEs, There's some videos, and that will also support the book, support the stories, and support our veterans.
0: Very good. And the conference.
1: Yeah, the conference. So uh, this year's uh, IONS conference is um, the, the IONS 2020 online conference, and it's going to be held August 14th through August 16th. And so um, further information on how to register will be forthcoming. Now, on August 15th, uh, which is Saturday, from 3 to 4.30 Eastern time, um, Diane Corcoran has and active military veterans NDE panel. It's a military discussion group, which I have been a part of for the last um, two conferences. This will be my third one. And so on the panel will be, of course, Diane, myself, Reverend Bill McDonald, and Tony Woody, and we will be discussing military and veterans' near-death experiences.
0: I think that'll be fascinating. I, I'm going to be moderating some... Um, they haven't told me what yet, but I, I think I'll be part of that virtual conference as well.
1: Oh, that's awesome.
0: Jenny, sadly, we're out of time for today, but I really want to thank you for for uh, the writing the book, for the medical work and research you're doing, and um, I look forward at some point in time to actually meeting you at a, at a live... Once we get back to live conferences again. I was in San Antonio. Perhaps we... I don't know ships passing in the night or something like that.
1: We probably crossed paths. They had me working everywhere, working in the bookstore, and um, it, it was all, it was great. I mean, I, I love being a part of these conferences, and now that I have my book, it's it's also wonderful to be able to share it with others. Yes. I'm just doing God's work. I'm doing what I've, I've been obedient to do, what I've been directed to do, and I will continue to do that. I encourage everybody to listen to the Spirit in their souls and their hearts.
0: Absolutely. And one of the key sentences in your book is, it's all about the love.
1: And that's what all the experiences will tell you. Yeah. It's all about the love. And I, it, it's just amazing. And um, I have to add, you know, I end of my book, very last page of my book states, You never knew that your true mission was waiting for you beyond the explosion. Mm. And that's what the book is all about. And that's what the Indies. And so these were God's words. These were the Spirit's words. Everything that's in that book has been Spirit driven. And I thank you for that.
0: Well, thank you, Jenny, for sharing all this with us today. And um, I hope people will be able to attend that uh, virtual conference. It's. uh, It's not as much fun as a live one, but it's certainly a lot less expensive. So, anyway.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I hope so, too. I encourage it.
0: Yes. Well, everyone out there, please stay masked and stay well. And until next Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern, this is Lee Whitting saying thanks for listening.